Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the podcast where we watch TV shows that we really enjoy and talk about how each episode can be turned into a D&D adventure uh, using the characters, themes and concepts. I am your host Jeremy and I am joined by uh, Meek who is swimming in a swimming pool drinking cocktails. Oh, living the dream. Swim up bar. Oh, Isn't God, it so yes. good when your school has a pool like that was to be honest, that's my first takeaway from this episode i know we're not quite diving into it yet but that's we how will you know a school dive into is. the pool school the school pool yeah and now i'm going to check because i'm about to say the wrong word because now i've thought about it i'm going to say it wrong it's an affluent school it is an affluent school good amazing amazing yes. i overthought it for a second and was worried i was going to fuck that up yes, yes uh, that's how you know you're at an affluent school yeah that it's got an indoor swimming pool and what mm. looks to be like a regulation Olympic length, like at least a good yeah, 50 yeah. metres. That's a, I like, well, I'm I guessing went... it's the shared, you know. Oh, yeah, the, it is. We actually confirmed that later in the episode that it is. So that makes perfect sense. Uh, and I actually, there was a school in my hometown that had a swimming pool internally. It wasn't indoor because Australia doesn't need indoor swimming pools. And um, I learned uh, while watching this episode where the school is actually located uh, thanks to this first episode. And it's right next to the river. Ah. It is right next to the East River, which ah. says so many different things about America and Australia that you have the East River right there. You do not swim in the East River. It's like where no. I grew up, you would probably go down to the river just to swim every day. You wouldn't go to the pool that sure. was right next to it. But, Counter uh, that though. We live in Melbourne. We do swim in the I would not. Depends where, but maybe. What do you mean depends? No. You don't need to swim in the Yarra. The Yarra is good for one thing and one thing only, and that's throwing O bikes in. <laughs> that we nev- if we, anyone I remembers don't... those things from like eight years ago, six years ago? Oh, <laughs> uh, including the fifth on that someone one. Someone tried to give us something nice, and then <laughs> all the Melbourneites did was just throw them in the river. That is how Australians generally operate. We just throw stuff in the river. Uh, but we are talking about Gossip Girl 2007. We are up to episode 12 of season one, School Lies, which was directed by Tony Wambi and uh, written by Len K. Rosenfeld, who I believe is a repeat uh, performer on on Gossip Girl. Uh, I don't really check. This is the episode where the gang breaks into the school swimming pool, but when one of them nearly drowns, the school threatens to expel the ones who broke in. Good holiday fun. Yeah. Uh, do we know what this? Because uh, I don't know what is this. What is this title a pun of? School lies. School lies is a uh, pun on school ties, ah. uh, which I believe was a Brendan Fraser film in the mid nineties. What I love Brendan Fraser. Uh, and if I vaguely recall, it was about a m- bunch of kids at a private boys' school, and. I'm trying to remember what that ah. There were a couple of them. Um, like a couple of Oh, that. serious Brendan Fraser. Yeah, serious Brendan uh, Fraser. And it was kind of the connections that you ooh, make. Matt Damon. Matt, that's right. Matt Damon was in it as well. There's a little bit. Oh, and Ben Affleck. What is this? Anthony Rapp? What is this? It's School Ties. Why oh, have I never heard of this? The cast is amazing. Because you're uncultured, but that's okay. We get you on this podcast anyway. <laughs> Wow. Do you know who 
Anthony Rapp is, by the way. Do you know why that excites me so much? Uh, he's Here, in uh, Rent. You're so cultured. Who's Al Dunn? Yes. I, do you know how Rent. I know he's in Rent? Because he's now on Star Trek Discovery. Ah. Yeah. And uh, bringing it back to the show, he is actually a D&D fan. I believe he runs a D&D game, a game on uh, the Discovery set. That's cool. Yeah. I know this from my learnings of uh, listening to the Dragon Talk oh. official D&D podcast. I only listen to ours. Good. You're one of the ruined, few who I do. I've my life for one, one podcast. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I've started listening to it. I'm not going to derail our show this early on. Well, let's get into the recap. Shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, Amazing. Why not? Because we start off with said sneaking into a swimming pool. Uh, what did you think mm-hmm. of this little shadowy sequence of everyone sneaking across as Gossip Girl tells us something that I completely forgot because when Gossip Girl talks, it just kind of washes over. Oh, that's speaking of Gossip Girl. There is one thing that we need to get into before we really, really dive in. There is one spoiler. Uh, we're spoiler free, but there is one spoiler. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. at the very last episode of the series, it was revealed of who the eponymous gossip girl was, and that turns out to be Dan Humphrey. <gasps> what? And that's crazy. We tell you this now, so as you watch along with us, you can look at this episode with that knowledge and find the supposed clues that the writers left for us. To, um, to prove their case of uh, Dan Humphrey being Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of which there are many. So, many. so they claim. So they claim. Mel thought out. I would say I'm a Gossip Girl expert by this stage. I would agree. Yeah. So I feel like I can do topics. And I actually think there's a pretty good case in this episode uh, for... For Dan being Gossip Girl, just from the voiceovers alone, like this intro one and then the final one as well, it feels a little bit, this is Dan's writing style. Mm. But honestly, Gossip Girl talks, I don't even notice. I'm just like, yes, talking about the Upper East Side, just random stuff that was pop, like the the back and forth is like, is this this or is it something else that was really big in the early 2000s or late, late mm. 2010s? I don't know. I can't remember when this show was on. Time is a weird soup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. No, it was solid. Yeah. Solid like 12, 13. Meek, I want to hear. I know you're going to have some stories about pool parties. Oh, yeah. So many. Because with my axolotl complexion, you know what I love? Going <laughs> to pools in the outdoors. Because like you said, in Australia, we don't really have indoor ones. Uh, so, yeah. So this wasn't uh, your experience no, of pool I, parties? No. No, how many times you broke into your school when you were there? I don't think I actually broke into my school at all. Uh, again, I'm pleading the fifth on actually any memories of doing that. I, I, I like this pool party scene. I thought it was kind of cool. I like that yeah. there was a, a sequence where the people who wanted to fool around and like horseplay and make out and things like that, they could do it in the rest of the pool. And the people who wanted to drink, there was a little like floaty circle around them. 
um, which yeah. would kind of block yeah. anyone from splashing too much. It's like, you know what? I like that. I yeah. like that. But we get um, yeah. Chuck in his 1920s um, weird little <laughs> seaside outfit, which I loathe. <laughs> um, I'm just going to point out. We get people like it's taking so photos. Oh, it's so ridiculous. I feel Ed Westwick just didn't want to take his shirt off. Oh, interesting. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it just kind of gives him... He's always dressed differently to everyone else. And he's always got that old world, like, uh, hint of old world to it. Whether it's executed well or not is another question. But yeah. That's part he, of his thing. Like, he wanted to open a burlesque club. There's always, like, a 1920s feel to Chuck. Like, his his yeah. outfit style. Like, like he's... Like, Great Gatsby, basically. I yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying to be. Actually, the problem is he's a 16-year-old boy who's trying to act like the Great Gatsby, and that is one of the most insufferable, pretentious things in the universe. And it's like he could do something. It, it strikes so so much of desperation of please notice me. And it, it fits Chuck to a T. This is exactly yeah. who this character is. It just, I look at that character and go, I don't want to watch anything to do with him. Because this is, we, in this episode, we get the return of the fucking scarf. (laughs) Which again, we have to be, as an expert on Gossip Girl, I still have yet to crack the, like, metaphor of the scarf, I'm being entirely honest. Oh, we'll get to the scarf when it shows up. You've got a theory. (laughs) Let's talk more about the the swimsuit sequence. Uh, which seems more interesting than Chuck's scarf to me, honestly. Uh, but Chuck, not Chuck, Chuck is kind of watching as Nate and Blair have a little dalliance in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, super mm-hmm. hot, firstly, because, I mean, Chase Crawford showing why he got picked as the deep in the everyone. boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, e- everyone in this sequence is hot. Um, and Blake Lively was in a, wasn't she in a surf movie? Uh, not so much a surf like a movie. Water movie. There was a water movie. She was in a movie where she, I believe, she was out surfing, but the board got ripped or something, shark? and there's a shark in the water. Um, I want to say the depths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah. I want to say so that. I might be wrong. So like, but either way, it's a good. We can one. see why why these people get cast in future stuff because yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, but we get a little bit of plot well done too to those humans. We, we get some plot too, because yes. it seems like this is directly after the last episode of um, Chuck and Nate being in Monaco and Chuck being all like, it wouldn't want me to tell mm-hmm. Nate that we had sex. And uh, so apparently mm-hmm. Chuck is blackmailing Blair into not being with Nate uh, until for mm-hmm. some reason, until he gets bored of tormenting her. Otherwise he'll tell Nate mm-hmm. that he took mm-hmm. uh, Blair's virginity, um, which... Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a weirdly complex thing that we're suddenly getting described to us in the cold open. But okay, cool. Okay, I guess that sums it up. Like this, this little plot point doesn't make me like Chuck anymore. Yeah. But sure. Well, I should say at all because I didn't really like him that much to begin with. No, but and- this is just setting up this like person who. And if you look at, I mean, we kind of get going to learn a little bit more about Bart this episode as well. But like this kind of says that this is how he has seen women treated. Like they are, you know, for him it's like cool. Uh, you know, once we have some kind of like exchange here, like a, you know, exchange of you do this for a certain amount of time and then I'll forgive and forget and we'll move on with our lives. But it's See, this like constant. We haven't seen that learn transactions. That, we haven't seen that uh, behavior from Bart Bass Good Dad yet. <laughs> 
I, I, this episode, this episode started to make me think I might be wrong on, um, on the whole Bart Bass Good Dad train, but so far we haven't seen any behavior. It's just Chuck's a fucking sociopath. Um, but he, again, he does this super sleazy thing with, with Serena giving his exposition that, Hey, if our parents come back engaged, we'd be brother and sister. And that means we should fuck because that's the one taboo that I haven't crossed the line for yet. Why don't I turn that, uh, one piece into a no piece? Find a floaty to talk to, Chuck. You know, if my dad and your mom come back from South Africa tomorrow engaged, we'd be brother and sister. And you know what they say, the family that plays together stays together. Ah, uh, incest, the universal taboo. One of the um, only ones you haven't violated. Well, I'm game if you are. Yeah, I do love it. And how Serena like leans in, and you're like, oh my god, is she going to? And then just like bats his drink out of his hand. So mm-hmm. great. Smashes it into the pool, as you do. Yeah. Uh, and then immediately calls same. Dan and is like, Dan, come, yeah. I'm bored. Um, Dan hanging out with Vanessa, who's making a documentary for some reason. She's trying to get an arts grant or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. she has to move. He moved back to where was it? Woodbury. Yes, well, I think she uh, Vermont. I think is what she said. That's in right the, in the clip. But I, I'm assuming that that's yeah. you know, so far away. Yeah, and uh, Serena calls and basically convinces Dan to come along uh, and gives him the address of where they are, and he realizes the school. And now I looked up this mm-hmm. address uh, while I was watching, mm-hmm. and that's seven nineteen East Eighty Second Street in New York, mm-hmm. which is right on is the Is it water. an actual school? It's not an actual school. It's just a building. Um, it's just literally just a building. It's not even the one that they use uh, for the set of, <laughs> of the school. Yeah. It's completely somewhere else. But that got me wondering, and I actually looked up where uh, the Humphreys Loft is. Oh, um, which okay. A- which, according to Google, is 455 Water Street, Brooklyn. Um, which is a long fucking way from the Upper East Side and even further from <laughs> from the Palace Hotel where, where Serena lives. So it would be quicker for him to go to Woodbury than it would be for him to go to school every day. <laughs> yeah, but we've covered this before. Oh, they end up like Constance Billard St. Jude's helicopter, right? That picks them up. I think we've, I feel like we've covered this. No, Blair's so got a, heli- Blair's got a another... helicopter. I feel that when they actually oh, start school, they get a little I teleporter. Yeah, it becomes like a, a mm. magical, magical mm. school thing. I'm, I'm not but convinced. Having said that, I know kids here in Australia that travel like 90 minutes to two hours for school every day. Get them ready for the workforce. It's good. This is your life, kid. Most of the kids at, uh, at Constance and St. Jude's have town cars anyway, so it's not really a problem for them. But they also have to walk like seven mm. steps to get there. But anyway, that was just a little mm. little rabbit hole that I decided to go on as I was watching this episode. No, I love <laughs> it. It's great. It's great. I'm, I'm getting addicted to it like you do. Hey! Um, You're I feel so welcome. Going back to the little inter- interplay between Chuck and Serena... Um, it feels a little bit like this was just to kind of prove, like, this is the line we won't cross. Given that Gossip Girl was, like, the, the risque show that everyone, your parents mm. wouldn't show their kids. And it's like, no, no, we're fine. We're still family mm-hmm. values, but not those family values. <laughs> not the Lannister family yeah. values. You know how we're spoiler free? Yes. 
Yes, we are spoiler I'm not free. Say so this does I'm not, not foreshadow anything. Uh, but I think it's a little bit like we're not cruel intentions. Because I think this sort of culture in pop culture. Fun season one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> no, I feel that in season one, they're still trying to go, okay, we're the Upper East Side and these kids are decadent and they're affluent and they drink and they party and they do drugs. Well, they don't do drugs because Nate's apparently no longer a stoner because uh, he seems to be quite coherent in this episode. Um, but they're not cruel intentions. They're not those kids because those mm. kids were out of control. Yeah. Oh, such uh, a good movie. And it was kind of like, okay, cool. That's one thing, but we're doing a different thing. And I mean, it's, it's yeah. plot development yeah, as well. But yeah, I, I thought it was well done. Yeah. Um, now, I wanted to yeah. say something about a little bit of a D&D idea from this. And it was it sparked in my brain when, okay. when Vanessa was starting to do the recording, the documentary uh, that kind of plays a bit of a part mm-hmm. in this episode. That would be a really interesting um, and annoying uh, quest for a lot of lot of parties in D anD D. That you give them mm. a give them a um, NPC, a cartographer, or a journalist, or researcher, or someone who has to go out into all these really dangerous places that is useless at everything. I'm not saying that Vanessa's useless at everything, but somebody that the party has to protect and who is just there to record mm. and not actually take part. Uh, and they have to keep them alive. And I just, I like that idea because yeah. it means you get to go out and go, oh, there's a white dragon. We haven't seen a white dragon. We've got to go and find the white dragon because I haven't like studied it yet. And I mean, you could do a whole campaign yeah. of this if you really wanted. Like instead yeah. of monster, it's monster hunts where you're not allowed to kill the monster. You just have to keep other people alive long enough to get a certain thing and then run away as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I mean, we kind of playing it at the moment we've kind of used it's not quite the same as this in the documentary sense but like a journalist we've made as a contact is about to like he's just about to push the button on essentially like we've given information from or not we one of our our wizard has found information about you know the source of some magic and this person's going to publish it and it's going to change like potentially change the shape of you know, when people find out where this magic comes from, it's going to change the way they possibly approach it. Uh, and then we've just, we're bailing out of that city though. We've just kind of dropped that mm-hmm. and then bailed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, DMs love it like, when that happens. That. I, I, yeah, 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 it's so good, right? But it's kind of good in my head because we'll, you know, this is like the main part of the world. We'll end up back there. And I'm really excited to go back in like six months or whatever and like see the fallout from that. So using those kinds of, yeah, like things like our actions have been recorded by, yeah, like it was, we essentially sold the story to a journalist. Mm. Uh, And. That'll be interesting. I'm 99%. I'm 99% sure that journalist is dead by the time we get back. Like 99% sure. For sure. Someone has knocked them off. Sure. Uh, Ethically, my character doesn't love it. (laughs) But when did ethics ever really come into your, um, into a and d party's uh, beliefs? That's true. I think there's a lot of potential to be had in just that idea of someone recording a party's adventures and making that a reason because you you get an automatic NPC essentially that's always going to be around them. Hmm. Um, it's the the doty yeah. if we're talking CR and critical role, the yeah. doty of being there to just record yeah. everything 
and um, you get to edit it a little bit. But I think it's a really fun, really fun idea. Um, so yay, Vanessa, you found, we found a use for you. <laughs> and when Vanessa and Dan decide to arrive at the party, um, mm-hmm. Vanessa just kind of tags along as far as I'm aware. Uh, Dan is invited, yeah. but Vanessa's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm just going to film everything yeah. because that's going to not going to backfire on anyone at this yeah. illegal. Which, this is okay. This is my little gross as well. It's like the fact that like there's scenes previously where like people are getting their like, you know, girls are getting their bikini tops and stuff off. And the fact that yeah. Vanessa is still like, yup, these people haven't consented. Yup. They're definitely legal age. <laughs> You're not just essentially making child porn exactly. here, Vanessa. I know. And I'm like, Vanessa, you should know better. Like, so far you've been the one who's, you know, tried to, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. It kind of gets explained, I think, as this episode goes on, so. Yeah, I feel the the whole concept of the pool party is just decadence occurs, but they don't actually want us to remember that decadence occurred for the characters involved. Yeah, no, the whole, this pool party is like, if this was a regular, say if this was yours, my high school or my high school, the equivalent scene would probably be like someone broke in and released like, I don't know, like at my school, like threw a bunch of like cow hearts around the like. Yeah. Yeah, or. You know, um, night before and everyone rocks up and then. Left the sheep in the principal's office, that kind of thing. Yeah, but that's not as classy as, you know, breaking in and getting drunk and making out in a school's very like exclusive pool. Here is one thing about this party which kind of sums up some of my problems with Gossip Girl overall. That all Ooh, the okay. all the um, tertiary characters that we see, mm-hmm. like in a moment, well, basically this whole pool party leads up to two guys are pushing and shoving and one of them pushes them too hard, slams his head into a pole, lands in the pool and starts drowning. That's like the, the impetus of the episode. Mm. We've never seen these guys before mm. in the, what are we at, <laughs> tw- 10 episodes? The, the girls who take their tops off. Never seen them before. We've seen a couple of... And we're never going to see them again, either. That these are extras. We see a couple of people who sometimes get scenes with Blair and Serena. Like, there's a couple of the other... The rest of the posse. But it's them and that's it. And they just, like... They don't get lines. They're just kind of also there. The ones that are doing things that people will see as being the decadent stuff, that's other characters they're not the characters we know and i feel like Mm. it's a flaw in it that you don't get a sense of who the people we know are it just makes it feel like a very insular little group yeah but i think isn't that kind of the point though too that this is like a a very insular community that you i don't i recognize the same extras appearing at the very least i recognize a couple of extras but i feel that there's a a few that are just like whoever's in in central casting that day Mm. like i yeah i'm comparing it with one tree hill um which a lot of it's not my favorite youtube album (laughs) a lot of the extras and background characters and that the actors fought to give lines to and they ended up being series regulars and had their own storylines and had their own plots and Mm. showed up and like still kind of a, a very important thing rather than just being this core group of six people it became this core group mm. of 20 or 30 people uh who would always mm. go to the parties and you know who would be there because they're their friends this it feels like people will be there and all we're actually going to see is what blair does 
And it's also episode twelve of season one. All right. So like, you know, there there might be the potential for growth. Now, as somebody's oh. watched the series, I know the answer, but I'm not. It's spoiler free, so I can't possibly share the answer. We have certainly had a, a couple of more characters um, in the posse start to appear more often. It's not just. The, the the two people I never remember the name of that have been there since the pilot. I want to say one of them's Katie. Katie and Alicia, sure. Katie and Alicia. Uh, it's not. I feel like Katie's definitely one. I think it's definitely Katie. Uh, Blair even says their name later on, and it's it's the Ant and Deck, Ant or Deck of um, of the Gossip Girl universe. Yeah. The Hamish and or Andy uh, for the Australian <laughs> Australian listeners. Uh, but let's move on. So there is a shocking yeah. shocking twist of a, man, a boy falling in the pool and his head has been hit so he must be drowning he's unconscious uh and nate channeling the the superheroic energy of the deep that he will later play just dives straight in oh uh, that's my first thought was baywatch music started playing in my head or bondi rescue yeah but, but actually that's a the, that's a much better reference yeah i was just like yep he's aquaman right now <laughs> of yeah. course he is uh but way to go nate this is this is good good yeah. value here, Nate. I'm I'm on board with it. Manages to pull him out, and everyone's just kind of like everybody out, everyone flee. Serena calls an ambulance. Uh, my notes say Blair looks great in that bikini. I'm not sure why, apart from that she does look great. <laughs> That's just a fair statement. That's just a fair statement. I mean, we don't get to see Lady yeah. Mister in a bikini often enough on this show, but it's good when it happens, mm. and. Yeah. Uh, Chuck grabs the key, the very ominous key that we saw that has clearly been used to break into this place. Uh, but my other notes say all the attract the act all the attractive extras flee. Which... Yeah. Oh yeah, everyone's everyone is ridiculously attractive. Yeah. I mean, this is this is you know media in general though. So that's true. That's let's true. Let's not cop too much hate on Gossip Girl for this. No, and then we um we cut to we cut to the uh, dean's office, the new dean that we've mm. um, been introduced to. This is Miss Queller, mm-hmm. um, because there was a phone left behind. Somebody left the phone behind. Not only did they leave the phone behind, but it's got all the photos of who was there, so they know yeah. exactly who to blame for this. Uh, and yet yeah. somehow Dan has been pulled in too. Apparently people were taking photos of Dan, which I refuse to believe ever happens. I reckon he was in, he would have for sure been in the background. For sure. Maybe. I think he was there when the ambulance arrived, so they can't really blame, like he can't can't say, no, no, I wasn't there at all. It's like he was there when somebody was called and pulled in and there was a teacher true. saw him there. Uh, but anyway, Miss Queller yeah. is, um, I'm guessing, a reference to Jessica Queller, who was actually one of the producers on Gossip Girl. Uh, and has been a writer, I think, on on a couple of episodes. So that's a nice little shout out for them. Uh, and yeah. she wants them to, um, to write uh, ten thousand words uh, as in, in an essay about how they got onto school property and why what they think they were doing there, having an underage drinking party in the pool. Hello, I'm Miss Queller, the new headmistress at Constance. It's unfortunate that we meet under these circumstances. But I look forward to getting to know each and every one of you. I've already talked to your parents, at least those I could reach, and look forward to reading your personal essays. 10,000 words describing how you came to be on school property after hours, using alcohol and drugs, 
where a fellow student almost died. In other words, what the hell is wrong with you? I'll also be conducting one-on-one -on -one interviews until I discover who broke into the pool and initiated the party. That person will be expelled. If that person is not identified, then you'll all face expulsion. And I hate all of these lines. They're so bad. Um, and drugs. And, and drugs. drugs. They don't. Well. Do they? Oh, drugs. of course. We don't see any of our heroes yeah. taking drugs because that's uh, too risque to actually have them take drugs. Like, again, mm. seems like Nate just stopped smoking pot in episode two, but uh, it's only finally catching up with him that he's he's got it out of his system 10 episodes later. Mm -hmm. uh, but the idea is that essentially there will be one-on-one -on -one interviews between the headmistress or the dean or whatever uh, Miss Queller's role is. And unless somebody owns up, um, or I think it was if they find out who it is, that person will be expelled. If they, if nobody owns up, Don't. or if nobody, everybody's them, out. everyone's, yeah, everyone's expelled. And I love mm -hmm. these ideas for D and D too. I mean, this is the prisoner's mm. dilemma. This is it's so good. It's so great if you want to screw over your party you give them stuff like this yeah like if you if you if you, if you know that your rogue has stolen something well yeah cool you if the rogue owns up and takes it then that's fine they'll just punish but if he doesn't then all of you are going to jail yeah like do you know what this reminded me of a little bit was um and spoilers for critical role season two mm -hmm. what episode early on though when they have the beacon and you know how um, Caleb makes the choice to kind of like say that they have the beacon? Yeah, and it goes go to the Queen Dynasty that and basically says, we yeah, have yeah. this here. Yeah. Yeah, because they were about to be arrested anyway. Like they were kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm. And um, I don't know, that kind of just reminded me of that same like, you kind of, no matter what you do in that situation, you're like, if you're the person who is at fault, you're boned either way. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's... you got to roll the dice. It's really one where you've got to um, actually have feel guilt for your for your actions, which I think a lot mm. of parties don't, <laughs> uh, which is the problem. But yeah, I, I think it's a, a good one when you have that no-win situation for mm. either one person mm. or for everyone and just to give the players and the party that choice and see what happens yeah. like as a dungeon yeah. master oh. or a game master i feel you got to have an out for either way like so that the adventures can continue mm. but to yeah. have them make the choice without being aware of what the consequences will be in game or for the game is well maybe that's just could you have a tpk that's like not nah, you guys all broke the law you all go to jail forever no nah, you definitely kind of that's it new characters roll them up yeah, if you want to be a horrible person and uh, ruins everyone's fun. <laughs> I can, Is that a good game, though? I think if you have a fail state, like it's a one-shot or just a short little campaign that you're doing or it's an introductory one and there's a lot of mistakes made and everyone's okay with that idea, then, yeah, you could do that. You could just have, cool, everyone what gets about caught. Like an ongoing campaign? Ongoing everyone was, like, doing something super dodgy the whole time and then finally they got caught out and it's just like, nah, jail. This is my problem with D&D. There is no jail in most D&D worlds that can actually hold a player character. Oh, surely there's surely someone in this world has built something that with enough, I don't know, magical barriers and you're taking away weapons and 
I don't know. Just keep them exhausted all the time. Good yeah. luck with three levels of exhaustion trying to do anything. Motherfucker. Yeah, just kind of have a, a water waterboard them and water torture them like for the entire time so they're completely exhausted and I'm sure that people have come up with this. I don't want to know any of them. I I don't Fair. my prisons are for regular Fair. people. They execute uh heroes in my world <laughs> because it saves time later down the road. <laughs> It's just so, more efficient, is what I, I find. It is. Uh, speaking of efficiency and bringing up the prisoner's dilemma earlier, mm. that when they go out on the steps after this meeting with uh, with Dean Queller, because I like saying Dean Queller, uh, basically Blair's like, so everyone shuts the fuck up. No one says a word. No one gives mm-hmm. anyone up. This is how it works. And Dan's all like, I know you want to be in Yale, but isn't this whole secret society thing like a little bit much? Mm. And Blair's just like, no, it works you idiot because this is how the prisoner's dilemma works. works uh for those who don't know mm. some of it i make do you know the prisoner's dilemma yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um for the, that, that's the same thing they based off the dark knight yeah yeah kind of um for those of our listeners who don't know um essentially it's you have two prisoners who have been caught uh they are told that if no one speaks they both go to prison for 10 years if one of them speaks against the other uh, he gets away and he gets to go free and the prisoner who was implicated uh, goes to prison for 20 years. Uh, and if they both speak, they go to prison for 10 years. I think that's mm. that's right. Anyway, the idea is that if neither of them speak, the best solution is for neither of them to talk. Yeah. Um, and it's the least sentence that they could get. But of course, if one of them talks, it's a whole thing. Um, and this is exactly the thing. No one will talk. If no one talks, everything's great. Because they're not going to, as Serena says, they're not going to expel half the junior class. Yeah. And Aren't they? They nah. might. Can I just say, you know what the boys part about this as well? Yes. Is that my teacher head was like, this is a private school. Of course they're not going to. Imagine the fees they'd lose. Yeah. This would be ridiculous. Oh, but they're juniors. I mean, like, it's only, it's, there's a senior, there's only one year left out of these kids anyway. They can't squeeze that that um, stone too much more. I don't know. I guess also I feel like um, Constance would probably have a wait list anyway. Like I'm sure as soon oh, as sure. one's out, there's like five wanting to get in. So For sure. For sure. Poor. <laughs> I'm just remembering what Nate, um, still with his stoner brain comes up with, which is like, who did break in? And everyone's like, well, we know yeah. Nate's not going to tell anyone because <laughs> Nate's fucking clueless. My beautiful, sweet himbo. Oh, he's wonderful. Oh, Nathaniel. He's wonderful. Anyway, Dan's really the one that's going to be in shit for this because he's the one that doesn't have a scholarship. Mm. Well, he's got a scholarship, I'm guessing. Um, Partial scholarship. Yeah. He's the one that could end up in a lot of trouble for this, whereas everyone else will just get mummy and daddy mm. to buy their way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... <sighs> From there, we go to Blair's interview with the headmistress. What did you think of this mm-hmm. scene? I'm innocent. Well, except for a crime of passion. I did something stupid with someone, and even worse than doing that stupid thing, I did the same stupid thing with someone else and pretended I had never done that stupid thing before. You look confused. Should I walk you through it? Let's stay on point. I reviewed your record. It's pristine. If Constance has a shining star, it's Blair Waldorf. I would never have expected this from you. I know. I'm the perfect one. Ms. Waldorf, who broke into the pool? Like you said, my unfortunate participation in said party was entirely out of character. I don't know anything about it. I think this is a perfect way. This is someone who knows, like she knows very well that she's talking about her sex life with her headmistress, but she also knows that the headmaster like will not go into it. It's the perfect way. 
it, to just deflect the subject. Like, because that person's not going to engage with that subject and it's just going to be like, oh, this is too hard. Like, that, Blair has played the game so many times. She knows what she's doing. Hey, I'm not going to argue with that. Have we had her birthday episode yet? Yes. So it's the same it's the same as that where she was confessing to the priest. Yeah. And it's like Blair, stop oversharing with people in your life. Overshare with your friends like Serena. This is what Serena is for. <laughs> your headmistress does not need to know that you did something something regrettable with somebody else and it's um, regrettable even more if somebody else finds out. And it's just like no no. No, we get that you need to go to a therapist. Blair, you have a therapist. Go and see them, please. Uh, and yeah, but I think in this instance, this isn't Blair oversharing. This is her consciously knowing, like, oh, this woman is not going to want to hear about this. This is going to make her so uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'll just like come across like this really naive, like, oh, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what to do. I don't think she comes off at that at all. It's like when the when Quella mentions that she's a that Blair's a model student and like completely mm. pristine record. And Blair's all like, yes, and this is why it's so, so concerning that I was involved in this. It's like, Quella can see through that. Everyone can see through that. Do you like, reckon? Everyone well, you know, knows. I think that was a pretty good deception check. I don't know. I don't I, know. I feel that she's got, I, I think Quella's got some good insight though. It's like, I know you're lying, but I can't prove you're lying. So I'm just not going to bother. And I think that's how mm. Blair gets through everything. It's like Blair, water does not stick to Blair's back. Mm. It's like it mm. just rolls off it like a duck. It just... Oh, she's proficient in deception. For oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, I love that that's kind of her thing, that she is just never mm. touched by the, the tires and feathers that everyone else gets because she always finds yeah. a way out of it. But to be this, I guess, I don't even know. I can't even think of the word. To be this obvious, not obvious, but blatant about it mm. is like, mm. I, don't, I don't feel that's Blair. Blair doesn't like kind of Blair doesn't smirk at the camera and let everyone know that she's getting away with it. Blair just gets away with it. And everyone thinks that Blair mm. is the the wonderful, wonderful golden child that for some reason hangs around with this horrible Serena Vanderwoodson who is just a wild party girl. And maybe Blair could um could it like we've seen Blair attack someone. No, we've seen Blair constantly foul someone on a on a field hockey field. Mm. How has Blair got a pristine record? Of course she does. Of course she does. Anyway. I'm thinking of like five students I've taught in the past. I'm like, of course. Of course they do. Of course they do. Because to some people, what do you think this case? This is a D&D related question because Good. this is something like, because I, I don't know if you know, but I play bards a lot because I really like them. As I, hadn't, a I, hadn't in fact, I think that. they're the best, the best only necessary class in D&D. But usually you have to decide if you want proficiency in deception or persuasion, right? Because yes. you've got high charisma and you kind of have to go down that path. What do you prefer playing? High deception or high persuasion? Uh, me personally? Because I kind of have this, yeah, like when you play characters. Uh, high what deception. What do you think is the most efficient? Yeah. I think high persuasion. It's way better. High persuasion if you want to, like, convince guards. If you think you're going to be dealing with low-level functionaries, persuasion all the way. If you're going to be mm. trying to, to scam people and get, like, better deals in shops, persuasion all the way. 
if you want to be a bullshit artist, and I usually do, <laughs> then it's always deception because that's when you have like these outlandish stories. Like, no, I've always been in here. You get to be you get to be Eddie Murphy, like you get to be Axel Foley and Beverly Hills Cop, where you're just shouting at people and telling them, "Oh yeah, of course I'm here. There's a reason I'm here," and confusing them enough with deception that yeah, I I just taught my way into everywhere. That's what I like when yeah. I'm playing a bard or a rogue with high charisma. It's like deception all the Sorcerer. way. Sorcerer. Yes. Yeah. What about what I've just transitioned to? What about you? Well, this is the thing. I'm I'm asking this is a slightly loaded question because I had just I have been playing a bard for a long time who was high deception, which was amazing. It was so good. Um we got away with so much stuff. And now I was like, well, I don't want to play the same character. So I'm trying to play a, a, a more like lawfully aligned character. So I've mm. turned it into persuasion. And I'm finding, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to have to shift because now when I want to talk to people, my instant reaction is to want to lie. And I'm like, yeah. I can't now. I just have to be friendly and nice and kind and, like, genuinely, like, appeal to their freaking, like, I don't know, self-worth. It feels weird. No, I think I think you're right that being earnest as a D&D character is very rare because we are naturally inclined to yeah. lie as our characters um, because yeah. we don't want... We don't want authorities. We don't want whoever it is to know what we're doing. But I yeah. love that idea of persuasion being this this earnestness of, I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm going to make you see sense and come around to my side. Yeah. And I may be yeah. like, I'm just a good per- I'm a very good person and I'm doing these things for the right reason. Can't you see that? And that sort of yeah. persuasion of getting people on, on, onto your team. I love it. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. And it, yeah, I think as well, like... As I found as another thing, I was like, oh man, I kind of wish that I would have had like someone with high persuasion, but is more of like a lawyer in terms of like knowing like facts and stuff to persuade people, that kind of like playing high persuasion that way as well. Oh, but I'm yeah. playing it as just the super nice, super friendly compliment, showers of compliments person. So I, I like anyway, yeah. I, it, it's, it's, yeah. That, that'll be fun. I, we hope to hear more. And... <laughs> Speaking of showers of compliments, here's a character I am never going to shower in compliments. Uh, as Chuck finds Nate writing Blair a letter, Chuck's all like, oh, you're really interested in that, that essay. And he's like, no, I'm writing Blair a, a letter to find out why she's ignoring me. But she made out with me in the pool. And Chuck's like, she did what? Uh, and this is where the scarf returns. I mm-hmm. have a theory mm-hmm. now. I, okay. I'm buying into your fact that Chuck has always loved Blair He's like fully. I'm just getting out my red yarn. Just give me a okay, second. Cool. Oh, cool, I'm going to cool, get cool. my pins out and my red yarn. Okay, go. Okay, you ready? So I'm yeah. buying into your idea that Chuck has always been in love with Blair. And okay. um, the scarf is when he's not, he doesn't have a chance with her. This is his, his little warning sign Ooh. to everybody else. I mean, this is just based on this episode, so I'm probably wrong, but I have a feeling when there's like... No, but I'm going back through other episodes. Yeah, when they're much closer, when there's a possible... When they hook up um, and leading up to this episode, the scarf vanishes. And now he's most definitely out of the the thing. He's like, doesn't have a chance at all because she wants to be back with Nate and she's saying, I don't want to talk to you at all, all that kind of thing. The scarf is back. This is, mm-hmm. this is his security blanket. He is Linus from Peanuts. Where he has to cling to his little, his little little thing. It's, uh, yeah. This is my theory. That- is it his security blanket, or is it the pressures of high society strangling him that he can't be and restraining him so he can't be with Blair? No, because he always wears it open. 
if it was a tie, I'd be on board with your metaphor for that. Yeah, um, sorry, sorry, I want to back you up. No, but no. He's got to he's got to wrap it around like Doctor Who for it to be to be strangling him. <laughs> uh, as it is, Ooh, it's just open. And I mean, he's peacocking again, but this is kind of his mm-hmm. little little thing of I I've got my my what is it um flair i've got my flair that they mm. they wear in, in restaurants uh this is his thing when he's not with blair because flair and blair rhyme so it must be true <laughs> i'm adding that to the pin board excellent blair, blair. Excellent. equal sign slash through it question marks uh and must be a sign this is probably my second favorite uh scene with nate in the whole episode um, because Nate's wonderful when he, Nate's gone through this like whole journey in the space of three episodes. He's gone from like total stoner family dramas. Suddenly he's become like gone from NPC to PC in the, the cotillion episode or the debutant yeah. episode. And now he's yeah. like, he's fun to be around. Like he's telling yeah. Chuck, he's like, Hey man, I made out with Blair. It's awesome. Right. She's kind of my girlfriend again. And Chuck's like, yeah, but did she enjoy it? He's like, of course she enjoyed it. You idiot. We did like a whole bunch. She wouldn't have. She wouldn't I have. I had Daniel Archibald. Of course she did. Right. I'm really on board with this new Nate. He's fun. Nice. I have to admit, like in reflection on this rewatching of Gosco, which is probably like my fifth or sixth. I don't know. I am enjoying Nate. I don't know far more. Like I never. He just never even was on the like radar for me. But now I'm yeah. like, no, I see your value. Yeah. Yeah. It does change. I feel that he was very dull. Uh, in the first few episodes and he just kind of had his family drama yeah. and he was there to to prove to everyone that Blair should not be with him for whatever reason. Like there was, theirs was the the wrong relationship yeah. uh, in inverted commas. Which he obviously still shouldn't because she's not totally in love with him. I will agree with that, but I feel that this Nate is the Nate that Blair has been around for most of her life. That this is the fun Nate. Mm. That the reason why, like yeah. I can see her being with this Nate and actually them working together, but it's just, she's into Chuck now. So sorry, Nate. We'll, Aren't find, we all? we'll find you a nice girl. Like, I don't know, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> it feels a little bit like that. It's like everyone else's. And he's just stopped being in Serena too. It's like, he's just no longer. So you know what? Serena hold that whole thing. Not done with it. Boring. Move on back yeah. into Blair. Yeah. It's like, good yeah. on you, Nate. We like this Nate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's a little scene, speaking of things we like, uh, Rufus calls Dan and is like, cool, so I know mm-hmm. about the whole possible expulsion. Mm-hmm. Um, what is Rufus doing in this scene, though? Like, what is he, is he making art? Is he photographing a sculpture? Because the sculpture looks like a, I'm sorry, Rufus, piece of shit. I thought so it like, like, maybe I'm thinking of a different sculpture. I thought this one looked like half a menorah. Well, I didn't, I'm sure, I don't think it's a religious. I don't think uh, it is either. I feel it's like a candelabra or something. Oh, I thought it was like meant to be like, so you don't think it's art. You think it's just a part of the. I honestly don't know. I vaguely recall what you're talking about. I fully agree that whatever Rufus is doing is weird. I feel it's set dressing. Yeah, he's just kind of. Yeah, camera out and it was way too close. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing, Rufus? Maybe he is taking photo of the detail to send to a, um, a potential buyer so that they can prove that it's like a certain artist. Or maybe it's just the signature of it. You know what I think it is, is I got spokes. I don't know. There was this show out many years ago. And I don't know if you've heard of it before, Jeremy. It was called Sex and the City. No, and I never heard of it. It was a story also based in New York. What's the city? What's in, in the... New York. Oh, it's in okay. New York. Okay, cool. It was based in New I York like City. New York. Yeah, I know. 
and it was based around these four women and one of them owned an art gallery for many seasons. Oh, I see. And I'm just so used to those scenes of like, you work in an art gallery, it must look like this. And then like every time they show me Rufus's art gallery, I'm like, no, I don't know where you are, Rufus. I, you're He's playing art gallery. Yeah. I just, this, I'm, I need more white walls. I need higher ceilings. I need... Well, yeah, more I feel that um, Rufus is very much the independent alternative art scene. Mm, I mean, true. he has he has installations true. and like light shows and things, and that's in like an entire empty room that just has stuff like he lights lets his flying His children around. have sex in his art gallery. I don't think he let. I feel that that was something that Dan just did at his own accord. Like Rufus was surprised by that. I feel the cleaners were also surprised when they came in at three AM to clean the place. <laughs> Just imagine, like you know, someone else has got a parent that works at like I don't know H and R Block, <laughs> and someone tries to recreate that. <laughs> oh, here in Australia. Oh, for be um, really romantic for our international listener. The H and R Block <laughs> is an accounting firm. Like a chain yeah. franchise accounting yeah. firm. So, like, accounting already is... I had this discussion yesterday. Accounting is already what you say when you don't want to tell people what you do for a job because there's no follow-up questions. Yeah. So this is, like, that, but then, like, even more basic because it's a franchise. Yeah. I love that that's actually... There's the joke that um, why do people go into actuaries or why do people become an actuary? Because they don't have the imagination to be an accountant. I don't yeah. know. What's an actuary? I don't either, but I feel that with your story before it's like if you don't want to tell people what you do and you say accountant if you say i'm an actuary which is apparently the boring accountant uh people then go oh what's an actuary and suddenly you got to answer questions so accounting is the golden is the golden uh profession for for saying what you do for for my accountant friends i'm sorry meek started it (laughs) (laughs) i still love you accountants i love my personal one they're great yeah. Um, I find though, like, I mean, how about you? When you're in a conversation, I lo- like when I say to people that I'm a dungeon mistress, I totally don't get any follow up questions. People are like, oh yeah, cool, no stress. That's because they totally just look normal. at you and go, yes, that tracks. <laughs> yes, mistress. No, they don't say that. That's weird. <laughs> I don't want to get weird emails. And speaking of mistresses, uh, Lily shows up <laughs> at the gallery. segue thank you thank you i'm really proud of that one i'm really proud of that one you set it up very nicely um i like that that she's also received some messages about this whole possible expulsion um Mm. it has been days it has literally been days since it occurred and she's like oh yeah something's going on with the kids i haven't really paid much attention to it yeah uh but the reason she's actually there is because uh bart bass good dad has proposed to her um Calling him that. <laughs> I and she's there to you tell. You know how much it hurts my heart every time you say it, and I know you don't know what happens. But I feel, I feel like that's why I'm saying it a lot of the time. Um, it's just kind of building up that that uh, what's the? I'm building up the hubris before my fall. <laughs> anyway, why she too close to the sun. After Rufus's voicemail that he left for her, basically saying, hey, my wife's leaving, so let's make it a thing of us two. Uh, she claims that she did not get that message until after she returned uh, from 
whatever, wherever they went. Monaco. South Africa. South Africa. Okay, They're South in South Africa. Africa. Okay. Oh, well, that's well. yours is better. I watched too much Mission Impossible 2 as a kid. Yes, but she has decided that she's going to accept Bart's proposal. Now, I was under the impression that Bart had already proposed. I thought that's what happened in the Christmas episode. Yes. So, yes, but in this, I feel like, here's my thing. Like, I don't know if you know much about high society. but No, but I do know about ultimate dimensions. <laughs> yeah, it's not ultimate. Di- Wait till season five for that, okay? Oh, great. Okay, uh, cool. Right now. <laughs> Right now, I think it's the fact that because he had the kids around and it was like he, because I don't think he actually got down on one knee. No, he just gave her a ring. Yeah, and I think this is the idea of like, and then it's very fair for her to be like, because it's not their first rodeo, um, for her to be like, I'm going to need to have some time to discuss with my family and think about this and I'll come back to you with an answer. And that's seen as a very fair and like, that's fine. That's like totally, that's how we work here. Yeah, okay. Because it's like in a, like marriage of like alliances forming, because yeah. you know Lily's got to make sure that if she joins with the Bass household, that it's not going to affect her like investments. It's not going to have like like there'd be so many little like red tape things. Yeah, that she have to what yeah boards that she's on boards that he's on. Yeah, um, it's- yeah. Like I don't think I don't think back in correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe back in medieval times like that we play a D and D that like mm-hmm. high up nobility would just go and like get down on one knee to who they wanted. It would have oh, been God, a no. prearranged many conversation affair. Yeah, there's a whole dowry where you got to buy the. Wait, no, it's the other way around. The woman, the woman's family has to give the the husband's family money as mm. a dowry and be like, yes, mm. thank you for for taking this child off our hands, which yeah. just makes I. Honestly, I, I might be wrong on that. It's creepy. Either way, you don't get. Oh, it totally doesn't happen today any, anywhere in the world. Totally doesn't happen. The world is a better place. We will move yeah. on. We've, uh, we've moved on. Uh, but Rufus is more mad about this whole voicemail thing. He doesn't actually care that she's getting engaged. He's like, you know, do you do you? I made my play. You're not into it. That's fine. You could have answered back though. That's fair. She basically kind of mm. ghosted him for a couple of weeks. Um, mm. And Look, she, you know, in Lily's defense, I would have done the same. Yeah, good Bart Bass, good dad. <laughs> Why would you want to want to turn that down? No, Rufus, Rufus has got some some issues, uh, and she points out, "Hey, you've been gi- giving me mixed signals this whole time. We've been making mm. out a little bit, uh, probably off screen, uh, and then your wife shows up, uh, but you keep being in my life, and it's this whole thing, and you're really into me, but you're also not allowed to be into me. So what the fuck, Rufus? I'm picking the safe option." Yeah. And yeah. you know what? You're with your wife. You're not with your wife. You're with your wife. You're not with your wife. Yeah. So good on Lily. Good on her for picking the, the correct choice uh, in that one. Oh, wow. I'm getting a glare. I'm not even supporting that statement, making the good choice. In that she is making the good choice. Situation. You just said that you would agree with her choice. You. You'd, no, I agreed with her ghosting Rufus. Oh, oh, I, I see. Okay, with. cool. I, I was going. I, I thought someone was following me down this nice path that I'd found. Um, apparently, no. no. Apparently, no. no. I'm all there, all by myself. Oh my just look at Bart. Just look at Bart. Oh, he's like, he looks like a Disney villain. You know what he does? Um, I am not going to say. I could come up with a whole bunch of insults, but I won't because that actor seems like a very nice person, <laughs> and we're not going to make fun of fun of how great he looks as a villain. Um, yeah, 
but that's fine. Uh, I, you know, another great example: Draco's dad in Harry Potter. Oh yeah, love yeah. the actor, hate the character. Totally. Yeah. So you know, these two things are separate. Here's another character we love to hate. Uh, Dan is off mm. to uh, Blair's Blair's penthouse apartment. Uh, this is where everybody's kind of gathered to write the ten thousand word essay that uh, Miss mm. Queller's. Which asked is a lot for. of words. Have we addressed this yet? Ten thousand no. words is a lot of words. Yes, it's more than nine thousand. Like I didn't finish a master's degree because that was the last assignment, and I was like, you know, who hasn't got time for that? Me. Mm. My my thesis. <laughs> for honours was uh, 10,000 words. Yeah, exactly. And like, what, who, what teacher, side note, you know what, actually let's go back to this, what teacher that sets this bullshit assignment is then going to sit and read, how many kids were there? At uh, least, let's say minimum 12. Yeah, I think that's how many Minimum a dozen. What teacher is reading and has the time to read 120,000 words? No one. <laughs> Oh, but they are private exactly. schools. They are at a private school, so there could be someone who is their job is just to do this. They would hire a freelancer. Yeah, they would hire a freelancer. You know what, actually? As I say it out loud, 100%. Yeah, for sure. 100%. They would just hire someone into here. Your job for the next week is to read these essays and to like, oh, my God, of course they would. Yeah. I mean, the kids are probably going to be paying someone for the essays anyway, so it's not like it's... <laughs> this is how the econ- This is how trickle-down economics works. Vanessa gets paid to write the essays, and then later on, Vanessa gets paid to read the essays. This is... Okay, this is my third conversation in three days relating to D&D about economy, and I feel <laughs> like I'm getting a, a sign from somewhere that that's apparently what I need to get better at. I must need to be aware of economics and trickle-down economics and... Uh, opportunity costs for me to enjoy this game because this is the, uh, literally third day, third conversation. I'll at some point Great. I will tell you about the the ladder exploit in or the infinite ladders exploit in um in earlier editions of D anD D, but not not for today. And we'll go back to the, the you. soak. You get a point for staying on the rails. <laughs> um, the we go back to the party. Well, it does become a party. Um, this whole essay writing mm-hmm. thing was a ruse for them to drink more, uh, as you know you do when you have yeah. uh, plans like this. Uh, but Vanessa shows Dan a some footage of Chuck very mm. ominously holding the key that oh, was. I forget this is a visual. I was reenacting it, and then I forget that. Thank God this doesn't go out to anyone. I'll try to. But it's a very like, like I've directed like school productions. I've t- I've taught like middle school drama before. And it's very much when you tell a child to like, oh, make sure it looks like you've done that action. I will try to get um, some shots of it to put on uh, Instagram and Twitter. No. Not of you, obviously, uh, but oh, of, oh, <laughs> of Chuck oh, thank God. the scene. Yeah. No, I'm not screenshotting our, our conversation right now. That would be weird. And, <laughs> But either way, Vanessa has, has footage that Chuck <laughs> may have been this... Chuck was the one that let everybody into the party, or Chuck has the yeah. key, certainly. Dun, dun, dun. And, um. Which, let's be honest, okay, I want you, because you watched this the first time, who, who did you think it was? Before we go any further in the recap, when you first watched it, who did you think did it? I didn't care. <laughs> honest to God, did not care. It's like process elimination. It's either going to be Blair, Serena, Chuck, or Nate. Nate's too stupid, oh, okay. apparently. That's ruled out. Okay. Chuck is the okay. obvious red herring. That leaves Blair and Serena. Blair, sure. 
Why not? It could have been Blair. <laughs> it's like this is this is where my my idea of the MacGuffin comes in, and the key is like the pure MacGuffin mm-hmm. of. The key doesn't matter. The key doesn't, the key moves around in this episode and who has it is kind of like whoever's to blame at that moment, but it does not Mm -hmm. matter because the person who's actually to blame never actually holds the key in the episode. That is correct. It's like people who haven't watched the episode yet and are maybe live watching it with this, which what a great way to consume media. Yeah, if you um, want to, to, to gossip girl commentaries, please support the Patreon. Uh, that's that's what we really need to do every week. Commentary, <laughs> commentaries for Gossip Girl, where we'll go at three hours over the running time of the episode. Can you imagine us trying to stay on task when the episode's actually occurring in front of us? That would actually, do you know what? Maybe we should do that for a week, and it might actually help keep this on the rails. It might, yeah, it could. Or, or it'll mean we only talk about the first scene and the episode finishes, and we're like, "Well, that was it. <laughs> that was fun." But everyone subscribe to the Patreon. That's what we got. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, uh, anyway, yes. what I was saying about this MacGuffin idea of the key yes. works really well for D and D. That you give them mm. this plot hook, this item. All it does is create drama. And but it is vitally Correct. important for the players or players to have it or to get it to somebody who needs it and everybody's coming for this mm. thing. It may, you know, it's a basic magic item. It might be something that's really good for the party, but not quite as good as the stuff they've already got. Or mm. maybe it's something that's super powerful, but in the wrong hands, you know, it'll destroy the world. It's the MacGuffin where the point of the story isn't the item. It's getting the item somewhere or the people who want the it's item. It's the journey. Yeah. And the friends you make along the way. Yeah. That checks out again. I'll, I'll give it to you. Yep, checks out. Well done. Wait, yay, the MacGuffins are approved. Uh, I just like the key for that because it does become this dramatic thing of whoever's got the key, suddenly they're the focus of, they're the one we've got to focus on. Mm. They're the one that we've got to blame for all of this. Is the key cursed? Could be. I like that. I like that idea of a cursed mm. key. And keys in particular. You become are, unlucky. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on with keys. It's like just that idea of a key. And like, well, it opens something. What does it open? Could it open everything? Does it mm. open nothing? Is there a lock somewhere that only this key will? There's a whole bunch of stuff. I am the key master. Are you the gatekeeper? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got here, Blair tells Serena Vanessa is using the documentary to get close to Dan. And I fucking hated mm. this moment. It's the, mo- it's the most high school thing in this show about high school. Yeah, does that not make it super real? You know what the sad part I, is? Does. Though? I've seen that happen in my like twenties. Yeah. Oh no, it totally, that, totally like, is a thing. Yeah. It's just that's that's how the world is. It, good, good mirroring show. Ah, uh, it's just so. I'm over. But also, Vanessa I'm, totally is. I'm Vanessa just over totally people. Is. I'm just over the idea of anyone finding Dan Humphrey attractive. Like Penn Badgley, yes, I can see people finding Penn Badgley as a person, as a human being, attractive. As Dan Humphrey, oh God. of God, course, no. Vanessa loves him. Of course, Vanessa loves him. He's this like broken, you know, brooding. She's like an art student. Like broken and oh brooding sums up Chuck. It doesn't sum up Dan. Do you think Dan is broke? Like he's like, oh, he's snarky I'm and brooding. So poor. I mean, yes, I can see Vanessa being super into him. Yeah, because she can fix him and she can, like, help him, take him away from this world of, like, exploits that are ruining him. And she's going to take him away back to Woodbury, all the way in Woodbury, frickin' 90 minutes away in that treacherous journey. I 
I want, I think we're going to have to get into the whole Dan Vanessa thing at another episode simply because like yes. there's, there's so much more going on there, but it feels to me mm. that mm. Dan represents a lot of the things that Vanessa lacks and a lot of the things that Vanessa wants that he's just, just wealthy oh. enough to do the things that she really wants to do, mm-hmm. but not wealthy mm-hmm. enough for mm-hmm. her to hate him. But also mm. just that's slightly bit... There's a lot going on with Vanessa. I feel that she's not quite as smart mm. as she's made out to be. And she feels that mm. lack and she latches onto Dan because of that. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that as well. Yeah. So anyway, I think there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. Um, anyway... Serena does actually want to write this essay. So she's like, oh yeah, Dan, I'll, we'll find you later and we'll, we'll do, write that and definitely not make out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Blair spots that Chuck is just lying on a divan and he's got his, got the key and he's just kind of wiggling it about and like, oh, look what I've got because I'm Chuck Bass. I've got the key. Everyone look at me. It feels like a very much everyone look at me. See who, see who mm. takes this bait. Uh, Blair spots it and goes, no, you're an idiot. Give me that. Stop doing that. Yeah. And then Nate arrives with his little love letter for for Blair. So cute. Hat in hand. At least he wrote something. Uh, And Dan also spots that Chuck had the key and is like, or knows that Chuck had the key. So he confronts him. He's like, what are you doing? You're getting us all expelled. And um, Chuck's like, you're poor. Go get fucked. Mm. Did you you know that he's poor? Yep. Yeah. It's good to get reminded though, because sometimes I do forget because I see his actual apartment. And then I think, oh, but I, then I get told. And I'm like, that's right. In it's my, not a good apartment. In my research earlier, uh, when I found 455 Water Street uh, in Brooklyn, I mm. did not see this aforementioned loft <laughs> that, that they have. I feel that feeling, oh. I have a feeling the building may have been torn down since, um, since the show was on. Oh. Which is a little that's disappointing. Sad. Yeah. Or alternatively, they just used a different one for the exterior. And so here is where the key becomes a really good MacGuffin because Blair is hiding it in her dresser or something and Nate comes in to talk to her about this letter and they have a whole little thing. But then Nate is, I think he's snooping around and he finds the key and he's got the little wheels clicking in poor little Nate's head as he realizes, wait, if Blair has the key and the key opens up the swimming place, then Blair let us in? I was there, but I don't remember, so so I'm not sure. Uh, but he takes the key. Because, you know, he's Nate. Nate's being a hero this episode, so good on him. And Dan is kind of fed up. He doesn't want to deal with Chuck anymore. He goes to leave. He has a little thing of, of uh, Serena being... Like, no, no, it's fine. Just keep your mouth shut. We'll, we'll sort it out. I'll sort it out. It's okay. It's fine. Don't worry about it, Dan. Hey, where are you going? I made us a study. No, I'm just going to write my paper at home. I, I, think, I think Chuck is right. Wait, Chuck, no, don't listen to him. No, the guy has a point, actually. Maybe the reason none of you guys take it seriously is because for you, it's not. No, it is. Just trust me, Vanessa, okay? please, some space. I'm sorry. Sorry. Look, I'm all for loyalty. And I'm all for sticking together, but we are not in the same boat here. I'm on a partial scholarship. My parents have no way of buying my way back into this school or any other. And I know this isn't going to be a popular opinion with with your band of brothers, but if the person who brought that key refuses to step up, then anybody who knows anything has the right to say something. Do do you know who it is? You do, don't you? And you're not going to say anything. 
Dan, please. You don't understand. You're right. I I, mean, I don't understand. Um, they're from different worlds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've you've heard this about them. They are from different worlds, and he just does not. They get... are from different worlds. It's it's my favorite line. <laughs> just from different worlds. Just different worlds. Completely different worlds. Yeah. Uh, you're from Brooklyn. Yeah. I'm from the Upper East Side. There's actually the Upper West Side. If you look where I actually live. And he doesn't get, he doesn't get why Serena's going along with this. He thought she was different. He thought mm. she was all about honesty yeah. and being a good person. And he doesn't get why she's risking his his uh, thing. Uh, but Blair is also fed up. Blair confronts Chuck and is like, "Get over the fucking blackmail, Chuck. I don't care. Just just mm-hmm. pull the pin. Um, if you if you tell Nate, he's not going to believe you. You're Chuck." I'm mm-hmm. his lovely girlfriend who's put out for him now. And he likes that. So mm-hmm. he's going to believe me. Mm-hmm. And Chuck points out, well, I've got proof because Vanessa has been filming this whole exchange. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that Blair, every single time that Vanessa points a camera at her, says, don't film me. Mm. Like, Again, <sighs> Vanessa, what are you doing? Consent matters, Vanessa. It really, really does matter. This is taking photos of people without asking mm-hmm. their permission. It's not cool. Mm-hmm. And 100%. Um, Vanessa's like, you know what? I'm just going to keep this. I'm going to go. Bye. I'm not giving anyone this tape um, because it's mine now. This is for my documentary. Oh. I've just found the the point of my... my... Disengage. Dash. <laughs> yeah. Run away. Uh, it helps when... Uh, Chuck tries to take it from her. Like, I think he grabs her arm and Dan is like there in a flash. It's like Dan just knows Chuck is being a douche mm. to a woman. I will get in there right there and I will fucking smack him. I will smack him in the face right now. Punching Chuck Bass mm-hmm. is Dan's hobby. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a it's a good hobby. I, appreci- <laughs> I approve of it. Uh, <laughs> but for once, I feel like he probably needs to defuse rather than punch him. I feel that both Chuck and Vanessa are kind of in the wrong in this situation. Mm. anyway yeah but dan doesn't know anything he you're exactly right he just saw an opportunity to like punch shuck again potentially and took it yeah yeah probably it's just oh chuck is being a dick somewhere i must go he's got like instead of danger sense he's got chuck bass sense yeah i think blair has that sense as well but that's for a different reason it's more like uh when you know (laughs) Like when you know someone comes into the room and is looking at you and you don't realize, well, they didn't realize that you know they're there. Um, and speaking of going into rooms, best seg- second best segue of the episode, that one. Uh, Rufus mm-hmm. goes to see Lily and mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that he wants to know why she came to see him. It's like, this is, a- I feel this was a good portion of the relationship for a while. It's like, hey, I heard you called me. Why'd you call me? Oh yeah, because you called me earlier. Oh, okay. What were you, I was calling about this back then. It's just this back and forth between the two of them for years on end. Yeah. And But he just says, you know what? I'm still in love with you. Uh, and she's like, well, I've got a better offer from, from Bart. What are you giving me? And he, I don't know. Would this work? Would his little speech work on you? On me? Or like a... Bart Bass has a lot of money. That's, <laughs> so what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but... But Lily's got a lot of money too. Lily's not poor. Lily's True. not us. True. No, no. 
I guess it, this is a perfect example of like in game, right? It's like even sometimes because this is the great joy, like we always say this that like, you know, some people don't want to play charismatic characters because they themselves don't feel very confident role playing that out. Yeah. And this is the perfect example of why this game's great because you don't actually have to be a smooth talker. If that's the best you got, maybe it's just the fact that freaking on that role, Rufus rolled a crit. Not the yeah. best speech ever, but you know what? The fates aligned. I mean, I like, I feel that he's got had advantage because he knows her in the past. He knows like the choices she's made previously. Mm. And she get, he gets to say, look, mm. you get to make your own choices now. You're not beholden to what your mother wants, all of those things. And isn't it time that you mm-hmm. did make your own choices rather than all the things that were right? Like make mm-hmm. your choice and live for you. It's like, yeah, that's a nice little speech, Rufus. It's told from somebody who lives in Brooklyn in a wonderful little house and doesn't actually have to work for a living because you work at a gallery not at saying that if you work at a gallery it's it's not real work it just rufus doesn't look like he works he owns a gallery yeah sorry he owns a gallery no well i think he yeah he owns a gallery yeah it's it's a nice little one and then he makes out with her a bit and she's kind of into it she's considering Mm -hmm. considering his offer um and Nate makes an offer too. Nate heads to Headmistress Queller mm. and says, yep, it was me. I broke in. I am the culprit. Expel me. I did it. I broke into the school. After all your family has been through this year, I'm surprised to learn that you're behind something like this. I know, I know. And I apologize. From what I can see, you always seem to be towing the line of mediocrity, Nathaniel. Your grades are average at best, almost as though you're not committed to school or your future. Can we just move on to the punishment part of this meeting, please? Certainly. But I'm curious. Can you please describe how you broke into the school? I can do better. I can show you. And how did you get access to this key? You're not on the swim team. Not a janitor, right? No. Where's the keychain? The keychain? Do you remember its color? Size? What it's made of? Anything at all? Who are you trying to protect? Yeah, and here we have a perfect example of what Rufus just didn't have. Like Rufus rolled a crit, and then mm-hmm. poor Nate rolled in with his deception check and rolled mm-hmm. a one. I know he should have had. A, he rolled two ones because he had advantage for having that key. Yeah, true. True, he got. I love that the um, the headmistress is like. It's so surprising with everything that you've gone through this year, everything your family's been through, that you would go off the rails like this. And I'm like, no, it makes perfect sense that he's going off yeah. the rails right now. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. How is this woman an educator? I had that thought too. Yeah. Oh, this child's gone through a mass amount of trauma. He can't possibly be acting out. Yeah. Because Nate just wants to be punished I right think now. It's- which is, well, punishing Nate is probably something less left for Blair, but in many ways, honestly. But yeah, she he rolled uh, very poorly on his deception. Mm. As as he, he I love that he's like, I have proof. I have the key that let us in. And she's like, Cool, how'd you get it? What did it look like before? Have you, you... done this as a DM? 
What? And like in real time and being like, so someone's tried to just to like do a deception check and you're like, cool, well tell me like who's the person that gave you that contract? And it's a name, an NPC name that you gave them, but if they don't have the notes, would you actually be like, no, nah, you don't know? Um, no, I, half, I guess. I will poke them like that and be like, so what's the name of the contact? And if they don't remember it, if they've already rolled well, I'm like, yeah, well, you as a character remember it, even if you as a player do not because you rolled well. Uh, but yeah. other ones I'll be like, yeah, so tell us exactly how you're going to do that because this NPC would yeah. very much like to know. And now you get to yeah. roll after you've come up with a, a reasoning behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I sit on this. Uh, part of me really likes the idea of like rewarding and punishing like your actual, this is because I'm an avid note taker as well. So mm. I'm very confident in that if I got put in this situation, I'd be fine. Um, and I think it encourages other people to take notes because like, if you get to these points where it's like, you know, if you need to remember an NPC's name to pass like a deception check. Hmm. But then also on the flip side, I agree. Like I just said before in the same breath, so not to be hypocritical, but like, we don't play our characters for like, you know, you can play and yeah. you can not be very great at like, you know, convincing people of things and just play a bard still with a high persuasion. Cause that's what you want to play. So. I don't know. I like it sometimes. I think occasionally, especially if it's like a, I don't know if it's been in like, if it's an ongoing game and there's been like the running joke with the DM or something that you've always messed up, I would kind of, as a DM, I reckon I, I could possibly be like, nah, unless you can tell me mm -hmm. this is going badly. Mm -hmm. Particularly when it's, um, players have a tendency to make fun of NPC names. They will change it to mm. something somewhat more humorous. Uh, those, mm -hmm. those are the times I am always quite happy for people to do that. It's funny at the table, but I will say, no, this character's name is this. Uh, if they try to bring that joke in game, no, they gotta, they gotta bring it back and actually say the character's name. Otherwise the person's like, I don't know who that is. I don't know why you're calling him Gary. Mm. His name's Garrow. Why would it's you like, disrespect? Why would you disrespect my father that way? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know any by that name, but this guy who like decides whether we live or die the king his um his name is this and doesn't yeah. seem like you know him so i'm not going to let you in yeah 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 exactly 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 yeah uh, I thought we just kind of went off on deception checks. This is this is when we realize that the tangents are not just purely related to Gossip Girl. It is also about D&D. &D. And, and we're not giving unsolicited daily advice this week. What's what's happening with this podcast? We're talking about D&D. &D? And no. I don't know how we're going for time. Are we're we doing, doing all right. good for time? We're doing pretty well for time. Um, we are at What's hour, happened? We are at an hour 17 and we are about Who 20 are minutes we? into the episode. <laughs> One point I want to make about this little scene with Nate and the Dean is that she hands, he, she proves that he has lied about being the person who broke them in by giving them a photo of the key that they found on the phone. And what it actually looked like at the event. Now, this is quite a nice photo. I'll try to put it in the in the the show, um, in the in the advertisement for the show. But you're at a party. You're at a pool party. There's other hot teenagers around. You're drinking. You've had a few drinks, and you go, you know what? I need a photo of that fucking key. I really need a photo of that key next <laughs> uh, to a martini. You don't understand aesthetics. Of course you do. It's part of the whole, like when you when you're putting your little scrapbook together. So it's the detail shots. I honestly no, believe that that's one. the no. I, that one. I don't know. I think the scrapbook thing's probably true. 
I mean, it looks good. There's probably another one somewhere of some like glasses tipped over beside the pool, but like one's upright and one's horizontal, just artistically on the side of the pool in like a oh my you know, God, yes. three. Yes. And it's like taken from like pool height at the at the left. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, I want to meet the photographer the the who left their phone with all these great photos on there. I want to know which of our characters uh, was the photographer. It's Nate's phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be. He forgot he left his phone there. He would have. Oh my god. Oh. Uh, Is that my phone? So, <laughs> speaking of recordings and photography and uh, other things like that, uh, Vanessa is at the school as well, um, recording for some reason. She just seems to be filming the steps. I feel this is yeah. like her documentary is now about like the school. Dan, I guess, still maybe. Uh, and Blair comes up to her and is like, "Hey, so mm. you're going to give me that tape? You're going to give me that tape though, because." Um, I'd very much like my tape and simply you can't use it Mm. because I'm not going to sign a release. Uh, And Vanessa's got Mm. some answers for all of her reasons and say, I don't, I don't want to release. I'm not going to release it as a actual film. I just need an arts grant to pay rent. That's basically my entire life right now. I'm just trying to pay rent. Mm. Uh, But Blair kind of wanders off and Chuck comes up with 10 grand as a wad of cash Mm-hmm. It's like I will give you this money because I understand you better than Blair understands you. You believe in real things, not this little amateur stuff that that Blair's got going on. And Vanessa's like, "You're so fucking creepy," and gives him the gives him the tape and takes the money, mm-hmm. which is um not looking great. Yet another Vanessa. transaction with a woman in Chuck's life. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that in my notes I've said I've forgotten why he wants the tape in the first place. That was literally like three minutes ago on on screen time. I've uh, sure Chuck wants the tape for some reason, but obviously it's got the proof that he needs. It's like it's becoming more and more complicated about why he's even blackmailing Blair. It's just like they're putting up too many obstacles for this. Mm-hmm. So like we just need to know yeah. that Chuck likes Blair. Blair likes Nate and Chuck and isn't sure which one to choose, but Nate can't know about the other stuff. Like that's this whole blackmail Mm. thing and now a tape thing and now like a virginity thing. It's too much. It's annoying. This is how triangles work, right? Yes, actually, this is actually how triangle works. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute and be the one that does the tangent. It's not an amazing um, love rectangle plus one that appears in One Tree Hill, Um, but the triangle... Sorry, go again. What, what TV show is this about? <laughs> uh, we, we'll get onto that another time. A proper triangle okay. has three points. And when you often have a love triangle in shows, in movies and things, it's one person who is connected to two of the points. It's a woman trying to decide between two men. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunger Games, great mm-hmm. example. Katniss has to choose between Peter and Gabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right? I'm assuming those are the names I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. But that's not mm-hmm. a triangle. That's a V. Because to make it a triangle, the two love interests need to be connected in some way. And Gossip Girl has that because Nate and Chuck are best friends. They have a connection. And Blair is connected to both of them in that way. So this is the proper love triangle. This is the one that we really need to see and why it's a massive deal when it all comes out. Because any problem with it will break the integrity of the triangle. Hmm. I could bring into like a whole D&D thing about how is your characters connected to each other, um, what like bonds and ties you have. But I feel that kind of sums up 
everything I want to say about the whole love triangle concept in fiction. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get down from my soapbox and we're going to keep talking about the episode. I like it. That was good. That was a good soapbox. Yeah. So I learned something that we're well, not learned, but like I was a drawn attention to something that I probably wouldn't have thought about as consciously. Yeah. It's something that I notice a lot because the whole choice between two love interests is something that happens quite frequently and generally in dramas and they don't do it well enough because that extra line between mm. those two love interests is what makes it important. If you can have a sudden reveal of mm. she's dating this guy, but kind of off him and met this new guy. And that's a thing. And then it turns out they're business partners. And it's like, now you have more drama, but if it turns out they don't fucking know each other mm. at all. Well, it's just, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the classic yeah. one is Betty, Archie and Veronica. Got it. Yeah. Cause again, best from... friends from Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> from Archie Comics. Anyway, uh, we will go back to where my affection for Bart Bass Good Dad or my belief that he is a good dad is starting to wane. Uh, okay. we, I like we ha- the second half of that sentence. <laughs> you like the second half of that? Okay, cool. Bart and Lily are at a restaurant and he kind of notices that she's a little distant uh, probably because she's thinking about Rufus, mm-hmm. as most of us are at some point during the day. Mm-hmm. And he, this is the most annoying thing. He asks, is there something wrong? And even before she started to answer, his phone rings and he answers it. And I'm like, mm. dude. And then he's like, he talks for a little while and he's like, oh, I've got to take this. It's important. And he goes, stands up. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. Dude, you say that before you answer the phone. Before you answer the phone, you ask if it's okay if you take the call. It's like, you don't take the call and then find out if it's important. It's like, mm, but... Did he really care if anything was wrong? No. Did he really care? He noticed, but no. he doesn't care. He's aware of it, but he's like... He was... Mm. Yeah. He's like, I know I need to ask this question, but I'm not going to listen to what you say anyway. Oh, no, he'll listen. He'll take it on board. He'll try to fix it if it's something he can do. But if he can't, he's not going to do anything about it. So, yes, this is not great for Bart. This is um, a big strike against him in my book. And Lily, while he's on the phone, has this look around the restaurant and sees all these aged, sad-looking women with their business people, husbands, and just goes, I'm going to call Rufus and tell him I'm all in for our plan Mm -hmm. of being poor together in Brooklyn. Uh, And Rufus is like, great, let's go somewhere. I don't know where. Let's just go. And she's all, I'm excited. I'm scared, but also excited. Um, mm. I'm just going to point out both of them have teenage children who should not be left unsupervised. Like, even for a night. Oh, 100%. We've been through this on so many occasions that the parenting level in the Upper East Side is very much like fend for yourself. It's very a birdie in that sense. Like, isn't that what birds do? Birds are like, oh. You're a certain age out of the nest. Yeah, you're fine. You'll be fine. Like, I, that's, that's Lily's excuse. What's Rufus's excuse? How do they raise kids in Brooklyn? Freestyle. Montessori. Like, <laughs> yeah. That probably just, I'm just, just uh, yeah. I'm, give, me, give me the kids independence. I am very aware that if they, if these two parents go out of town, the first thing that um, Dan and Serena are going to be doing is fucking. Hmm. Oh. 
for well, sure. I, for sure. Follow like, up question: What are Rufus and Lily doing? Yes, but that's this is this will come up later in the episode. It's weird. Hmm. It's weird. Uh, speaking of Rufus and Lily's children, they have been gathered again to uh, Quella, Quella's little assembly, uh, because of course Nate's been all like, "I did the deed. I am Spartacus." And she did not believe it. So she makes a point that uh, this will go on his permanent transcript. Uh, his absence has been mm-hmm. noted. If we're going back to Motherland. We had training all day. None of this is elective. Your absence was noted. Mm-hmm. And basically he gets suspended. He's like, cool. Yeah, oh, legit. Yeah, he gets kicked out for a week or so for lying. Not for being part of the mm-hmm. thing. It's like you lied, you're out. It's like, damn, yeah. that's um, that's fucking cold. And now it's even more serious because if Nate can be suspended, anyone could be expelled. Like, not even Nate. Could be any of us. Could be any of us. And I will find it interesting. I'm pretty certain in the next scene, Dan is all like, "I can't get suspended, Serena. I can't get suspended." Dan, you're going to get expelled, not suspended. Yeah. That's worse. Yeah. Uh, but Serena reveals that she was the one that broke in. It was her key. Serena! But she's so good. She's a saint. She's been doing so good. She had the, the, um, she had the modest swimwear at the party. She wasn't Mm. one of the bad girls like Blair. Just ridiculous. Anyway, that goes straight into an ad break, which, you know, it feels like it probably would have been very telling if I wasn't watching some Netflix where uh, there are no ad breaks. Yeah. It just goes straight into the next scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I like um, that she explains why she didn't tell him. She didn't want to make him decide between protecting her and choosing for himself. Uh, so, you know what? Well done, Serena. I would have liked a little bit. Yeah. Would, would you have preferred this if we'd known it was Serena the whole time? Or were you into the mystery? No, I kind of liked the mystery because honestly, I wasn't as convinced as you that Chuck Bass was the red herring, if I'm being entirely honest. I thought yeah. maybe it was and that that was, and then maybe Blair was, I remember like the, like go back to the, like I thought maybe Blair was going to show her affection for him by trying to do what Nate did for, for Blair. For Blair, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that um, tracks. Yeah, no, I kind of like the mystery. I kind of like the mystery. Yeah, I, I'm on board with that. It does work with that whole locked room of who is the 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 killer. Like, who had the key when we don't know? So, obviously, one person. Anyway, uh, I would have also liked yeah. if it was just someone we didn't know at all. So, like, yeah. not everything revolves around you five five uh, teenagers. It was Farmer Jenkins the whole time. God damn you, Jenkins. I would have got away with it if it wasn't for those dang kids. <laughs> and we find out how she got the key as well. That it was, um, she kind of used to date the captain of the swim team. Uh, I feel that Serena, Serena is being uh, modest. She dated the whole swim team. But either way, he gave her the key to, to, so they could hook up. And I love the line. I'm pretty certain it was a line where it was supposed to be low key. Because it was a key. That's nice. That was a good one. Uh, And Dan points out, well, you can admit it. You're Serena Vanderwoodson. If you admit it, you're going to get away with it. Like Dan, Nate only got suspended. Um, you're mm. wealthy, and Serena's like, "You didn't know me before I went away. I was a bad girl. I would definitely get expelled." And like, they went to the same school. They went to the same mm-hmm. school. 
I feel that Dan has mm-hmm. a Dan should have an idea of what she was actually like. Mm. Like yeah, she, he would have heard rumors about this band of Woodson loose cannon. Yeah. Like, what did she do? 100%. Like, we know what she did when she got, like, fate later on, spoilers that we know that no one else will. We find out what happens once she went away. But what she did, she, she, did she do at this school? Did she fuck a teacher or something? Is this why she's, like, not allowed to, to talk about what she actually got up to back then? I think it's just that she was just a wild, like, just, you know, didn't show up to class, was rude to teachers, like, just, like, all of the things all the time and no one could get through to her. Right. So that's all on her permanent record and, like, if she gets expelled here, she only barely got back in. Mm. If she gets expelled, no one mm. else is going to take her ever. Quite possibly. I think she, is, she literally again, says yeah. that. Throw enough money or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I. you're fine, Serena, but yeah. sure. But, you know, she's 16. She doesn't know how the world... Well, she knows how the world works, but she doesn't right. think it applies to her. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and almost immediately, Dan, there's a PA announcement of, Dan Humphrey, please go to Miss Queller's office after class. Because I'm guessing she's like looking out the window at them and realizing that something's up with Dan and calling him immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Uh, but Blair stops Nate and he's just like, I did it for you, Blair. I thought it was you that broke in and I'm covering for you because I love you. Are you okay? I'll be fine. So uh, my parents have so much other stuff going on right now. I'll get over it. Either way, it was worth it. Worth it? Yes, Blair, I know how much your future means to you. When you've worked so hard for Yale and everything... What are you talking about? You don't have to lie. I saw the key in your bedroom. Uh, that key isn't mine. I was just hiding it for someone else. Wait. That's why you were suspended? You told the headmistress it was yours because you thought it was mine? It's the most romantic thing anyone has ever done for me. I love you. Mm-hmm. Yale is your dream. Yeah, I want him to her to smack him upside the head and go, "You fucking idiot! That's not my key. Use your words before you make decisions, Nate." Mm-hmm. I'm gonna point out that her line is that this is the most romantic thing anyone has ever done for me. Mm-hmm. Can we please make a note? that the only person who was doing romantic things for her before this was Nate. So (laughs) Nate has really stepped it up in these last couple of weeks. This is the most romantic thing Nate has ever done for her. Like, well done, Nate. But also, maybe Blair remember that the only person who did anything like this for you was, was him. When you're talking to him. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, she could be talking about, I mean, she would have seen Serena, though, be pursued by multiple suitors at once. So maybe it's that you people who wanted to get with Blair didn't even try to act romantic. Yeah, I'm I, I'll agree scraping the that. barrel on this. Scraping no, the barrel, but like... It is, it's very scraping the barrel, but, you know, I, I like it. It's, it's a nice little thing to show that Blair is still smitten with Nate, even mm. though um, she then immediately says, even though you love me, I can't be with you because of reasons, because of my reputations. Uh, and she runs off. Uh, and Serena also running home is very distraught. She just wants to hide in her bed. And Lily's like, you didn't get expelled, did you? Oh my God. This Like not even really caring what the response is. Just, did you get expelled? Yeah. Because I need to do some stuff if you got oh, expelled. No. 
I'm going to have to fill in more papers. God uh -huh. damn it, Serena. I, I know we made fun earlier, but I actually like Lily's parenting style. It's the worst and so, so apt for probably how I would parent. So you you seem oh. you seem to have your life together, small child that I raised. You can do this. I'll just yeah. um you know I'll be cheering from the sidelines. Go nuts. Yeah. Let me know if you need money. Do you need money? I can give you money. <laughs> oh, you don't need a hug. You just need fifty dollars. Yeah. And why that's not that's not healthy. Apparently not. Yeah. So Serena notices that Lily's packing for the trip. Uh, and Lily immediately hides that she's like, oh, no, I'm just going for a spa trip. Uh, mm -hmm. But when Rufus calls, Serena spots it and says, you better not be going to go fuck Rufus Humphrey because that's my mm -hmm. boyfriend's dad. And if you, mm -hmm. if you hook up with my boyfriend's dad, that is weird for me. I do mm -hmm. not want. This is creepier than when Chuck was suggesting it. When we were <laughs> going to be siblings. And, oh, Serena. And poor Lily, realizing that she's got to give up her happiness for her daughter. She's the Angelica Skylar to uh, Serena's Eliza Skylar. This is a Hamilton now, that's reference. that's a Hamilton reference yeah. that we could go into far deeper on another podcast. Yeah. I'm just going to plant these seeds. Please do. Please do. Patreon is, is that way. And... <laughs> So a little bit more about Blair. Uh, Vanessa comes to see her and gives her the tape of the confession about Nate. Um, Vanessa mm -hmm. actually showing her true colors. Um, mm -hmm. And basically it's like, not everyone has an agenda like you do, Blair. But mm. Blair also asks about the tape that Vanessa gave Chuck. So apparently everyone witnessed that exchange. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, it was blank. She just gave him a blank tape. <laughs> Which he's never yeah. going to check. Love it. Because he's like, yeah, this is my blackmail material. I uh, just handed yeah. over 10 grand. And, and also, I don't know if you remember this, but I had a little camcorder like that, like Vanessa had with a little mini tape. Do you know how, hard, yeah. how much of a pain in the ass those things were to play? Oh, yeah, I can like, imagine. Like, you have to have the, you had to have a, a pretty much a camcorder to play them from. Yeah. And Chuck doesn't have a camcorder. No. And he's not going to go to what at Best Buy. <laughs> no. This is before Amazon. Uh, yeah, it is. Just. Uh, just. Maybe yeah. maybe as Amazon is starting. Yeah, when Amazon was still selling books and that was their, their thing. Yeah, yeah. So then we have um, Dan's little interview with Quella now that he knows the truth. Uh, and she points out, you know, it's been going great for you. You're a star student, but things are a bit different now that you're dating Serena. And Dan very obviously points out is that on my file is it on my file who i'm dating at this school if i wasn't at this school yeah it's really fucking creepy that that's like it's it feels like something that a teacher who might be worried about a student going off the rails would say but it's like mm. is you're a new you're a new teacher you've only just started mm. at this school how do you know that already is it in your file because i feel like they might put it in the file at this school i feel that's something that actually comes yeah. up uh, and I feel like Quella actually knows the answer to all of her questions already, which is the best interrogation technique and why it's really fun as a DM mm -hmm. to like ask players mm -hmm. questions that you already know the answers to and see like what bullshit mm -hmm. they come up with. But she's asking mm -hmm. like, do you know who it is? And it seems very clear. She knows it's Serena. 
Like she's used, she's seen the key. She knows who would have access to it. She's read all the reports. She just needs him to admit it because this is important for school morale type of thing. Uh, but Dan doesn't give her up. Dan's all like, nope, I don't know. I was barely there. Um, and Serena comes in. I think Quella like reminds him of how much is at stake. It's like, you've got a scholarship. You could go to mm. Dart, like Dartmouth. Is he want to go yeah, to Dartmouth? Dartmouth? Yeah. Dartmouth. Yes. Dartmouth. And you're poor as well. So this would be a very bad strike against you. Uh, but Serena comes in and admits it, that it was her. She's, um, she's glad for that. She's, she's backing Dan up. She doesn't want him to get in trouble. And we do get a bit of the mm. rap sheet that we mentioned earlier of what Serena actually mm-hmm. did, which was, uh, cutting class and cheating on tests and talking back to teachers. So, you know, teenage mm-hmm. shit, not actual delinquent mm-hmm. shit. Well, for this school. Yeah, that's true. Or supposedly for this school. And Serena does point out that she's changed. She's staying out of trouble. Mm-hmm. She's getting better grades. And a lot of that is uh, about Dan. And a lot of it's about accepting mm-hmm. responsibility for her own actions, which is well done, Serena. Mm-hmm. That's um, very yeah. wise and mature of you. Hmm. Um, and tying in with expect, accepting responsibility and being mature, Blair yes. goes to the cafe in Brooklyn, the one cafe where Vanessa mm-hmm. works, uh, and basically says, hey, I paid your rent in your shitty little Soho apartment or wherever it is you live for an entire year because I yeah. do- Blair Waldorf does not have debts. Yeah. And Ooh, so good. I fucking love her in this scene. Blair is the best. Mm. She, I'm so upset. I've already picked. I've already picked her for an NPC. Otherwise, I would have for this episode because that's some badass shit. Just going, you know. Mm. And her line of, um, "Now I can go back to hating you, and all is right with the world." Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Perfect. Uh, and <laughs> I think this is how Blair makes friends with people. I think it's brutal honesty, but like the thing is what Blair is saying is not her being like, she entirely believes that. Like, I don't want to owe you anything. I don't know who you are. We are from, I would say different worlds. I'm just going to do what I, what I can do, which is pay your rent. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. It's like, I, there's no, there's no connection between us. Amicable feeling towards you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I love it. Blair is quickly becoming my favorite character uh, across all, which is, um, Interesting because previously it was Nate, so it's not a big step up. Although she hasn't caught up to Rufus yet, so that's um, uh, okay. that's a tough one. Uh, and we discover also that what um, Vanessa actually did with the money, the ten grand that Chuck yes, gave her, so good. What did she do? Started up a, a charity in his name for teens with like sexually transmitted diseases, specifically genital herpes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, which I, I don't... I was going to say burn, and then I realized that works as a pun as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think that actually is how medical grants work. I don't think you can just do that with 10 grand. Like, I feel they need a lot more than 10 grand to be able to do that. But you know what? Sure. I'm sure that Chuck start actually... start the GoFundMe page. Yeah. <laughs> in his yeah. name. Yeah. That works. Uh, and as we start to come towards the the home stretch of the episode, it turns out that Serena was not expelled. Uh, she's given twenty five hours community service that she would have been doing anyway. Yeah. Uh, Dan yeah. is is not surprised. 
by this in yeah. a very passive aggressive manner that of course she got away with it after this whole rigor and yeah. roll. And I think they just decided yeah. not to talk about it. It's like, can't we just be happy for once? Um, yeah. And we have a- He's like, yeah, you don't live a blessed life. And then she walks out to the town car. That's like, your mother said I'm here to pick you up. Yeah, that's right. He's and like, she, yeah. He's like, yeah. And she refuses the town car. She decides to walk, mm. uh, which I think Dan's then like, so you're going to Brooklyn? Can I can I grab a lift? Yeah. And it's like, no, he's not going to Brooklyn. He's going like three blocks. He's not going all the way to yeah. Brooklyn. He's not going across any bridges. God damn it, Dan. And you totally know that Either car way. just goes around the corner to where Serena's walked and yeah. she just jumps in anyway. Oh, for sure. She got, she got maybe half a block with the car tailing and she's like, you know what? This is holding up traffic. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I will just get the car home and then I'll walk out again. Yeah. Because that gets yeah, rid of it. 100%. Maybe if I don't get mm-hmm. distracted by something shiny along the way, because I love Serena, but very short attention span. <laughs> very short attention. There's well, a reason there is um, a character in one of my on regular games that I run for people uh, who is, I wouldn't say vapid. She is a lovely person. She has the brains of a golden retriever. Uh, and I do mm. use Blake Lively as the, the description for her. And it's like most yeah, wonderful, amazing. kind, caring person you could ever imagine, but is very confused by her own handwriting. Yeah, that's such a great insult. <laughs> and I, I love it to death, honestly. One of my favorite NPCs to play. Uh, and can we also point out that there's this wonderful little exchange of Dan asking if uh, Serena's hungry and she responds with always. And I believe that as well. A 16 year old mm. of her height will always be hungry. Mm-hmm. Always, always, yeah, always. Yeah, 100%. And also because she 100%. walks everywhere. It's like she's yeah. constantly going somewhere and she has no time. She never seems to eat anything that we see. So of course she's hungry at all times. Like this is the one meal she's going to have today because she's off saving Eric and like wandering off and doing something. Yeah. So I, I love that little yeah, exchange between the two. Yeah. Um, but the reason that she needs to go home is uh, because Lily is accepting Bart's proposal. Mm-hmm. And we have a flashback to when she met Rufus and explained why she wasn't going to go with him on their little spa sex holiday. <laughs> yeah. And... Yeah. And... <laughs> I thought he took it very well. I think he did, yeah. Considering. I, I think he's had this uh, this conversation with her a few times over mm. the years. And he's like, you know what? You you had the choice now. You weren't being pressured yeah. by anyone else except you that he knows of because he mm. doesn't know about the whole uh, Serena thing. He's like, mm. you made your choice. I've got to respect that. Rufus, good guy. <laughs> um, so... Eric and Serena do kind of notice this whole little down mood that Lily has, uh, despite the fact that she just got engaged and they talk about it a little bit. Um, Chuck overhears this and decides to be crass about mm-hmm. childhood memories and bathing together. And I love that Serena mm-hmm. doesn't even like answer him. She just turns away to which yeah. Chuck then looks at her ass like directly. It's like, dude, just, just chill. I mean, do you remember when she tried to, <laughs> ne- do you remember when she like kneed him in the balls and tried to neuter him? How great was that scene? Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I miss those days. Yeah. 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 Chuck's still young, by the way. He's still young. He's making mistakes. Okay. We all make mistakes. That's true. Chuck more so than most, but um, 
Sure. <laughs> Speaking of mistakes, uh, Blair has gone to see Nate mm-hmm. and basically admitted that she loves him too, so deeply, so strongly. Uh, and mm-hmm. whether they can get a clean start and forgive and forget all the problems between them. And Nate's like, of course we can. There's nothing you could have done that would would ever make me stop loving you. And there's, I feel like there's a little asterisk of, unless you fuck Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's yeah. That's so silly. I don't even have to mention it. It could never have happened. It's just implied. Yeah, I'm. Mm. I don't know. I like him together. The the Nate. I do that to my Nate players all the time as well. I'm like, oh my god, of course you guys are welcome in the inn. Unless, of course, I mean, it's not like you're those bandits that just went around and burned down that orphanage, knowing full well that this is the exact. You know, love those little like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I love those. Of course, NPCs. they'll help me. Yeah. Like, I'll help you. Oh, that's wonderful. Totally. Um, so back at the engagement party of the two families joining as one, mm-hmm. Bart explains. Bart, Bart is trying to get his, his Bart Bass good dad uh, thing, his, his crown, mm-hmm. uh, because he is the one that paid for Serena to stay in school. There's going to be mm-hmm. a, a um, Bass Vanderwoodson library or something for the school mm-hmm. that should be mm-hmm. done in a couple of years. And oh, this is this is not great. This is where I start to really dislike Bart because he seems to be he's like got this line. Your new stepbrother told me about your problem at school. Frankly, I wasn't surprised given your propensity for recklessness and adventure. I'm sorry. Don't tell your mother, but I made a call. You did what? It was harder than usual. That new headmistress of yours is a real piece of work. I had to go over her head. Sorry I can get the charges completely dropped, but um, at least I got you minimal sentence. One thing about being on the inside, once you get there, you don't always get to choose where you stand or sit. I was just looking out for my family. The new Vanderwoodson Bass Library should be completed for Eric's graduation. I can see that Lily and I are going to have our hands full with the two of you. Oh, excuse me, I need some air. Uh, he seems to be under the impression that Serena is just a female Chuck. Mm. And yeah, the... I'm used to dealing with. I'm used to dealing with this. Yeah, but the fact I've that he's got a he... flowchart of how I deal with this. The fact that he, yeah, he kind of does. Um, the fact that he sees Chuck's stuff as on par with all those things. Like Chuck does some severe shit. Like I'm not, mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he was organizing bum fights or something. I mean, that's more of a, like a, like a, um, Newport thing. Not so much for. Thank God Chuck doesn't have TikTok. Yeah. God. Oh, oh, that, oh my God. Or the he ability to live stream oh. anything. God, that scarf would have a whole backstory. He'd be just doing like, <laughs> anyway, um, the scarf would have its own TikTok, yeah. Oh, the imitators of Chuck Bass on TikTok. Anyway, look, we're not going to get into TikTok. That's that's too much. Um, yeah, there's just this creepy moment of Chuck on one side and Bart on the other, and I did not like it. I was just like, well, mm. well acted person who plays Bart Bass. I did not like you at mm. all in this scene, and um, I think that's mm. what we're meant to get out of it. Mm. Um, so Serena flees. And goes to see Dan, um, and runs into Rufus, who seems to be putting all of his 
his um, Lily music away. He's moving on to he's moving on with his life. Well done, Dan. You haven't well done, Dan. Well yeah. done, well done, Rufus. Uh, you definitely haven't done this eight yeah. or nine times before. Yeah, it does feel like he's on his like he's rebounding so much. He's rebounding more than like a bouncy ball at this stage. Like. Yeah. <laughs> he's a super ball, just do 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 all around yeah. the room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that would yes, Rufus bouncy ball. Bouncy yeah. ball Rufus is, is the way to go. And Dan is in his room reading some Chaucer, I think, because he's got an essay to write or a mm -hmm. test or something. And Serena's like, you know what? I've got one as well as well. I'm going to sit there and study and they're going to kind of snuggle and it's cute. And yeah. people on TV don't... Dan was right. Yeah. Uh, and I hate it when Dan was right. And the little gossip girl thing. I was like, I don't need all these people because all, all I need is you talking to the audience. But it's actually Dan talking to Serena. So I like that little little emphasis. But what I realized about that is that people on TV don't study how I studied when I was in high school. Oh, yeah? I mean, that maybe I didn't study very well. Yeah, they do? Yeah, kind of. Or... I mean, I, I studied in high school watching TV, which has paid off for me now, as you can see, because I have this mm. hugely successful mm. podcast with you. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm, okay. Now I'm seeing the error of my mistake. Yes. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to wrap that up before we pull that thread any further. <laughs> because that is the, for the episode. We got through it. Hey. hey. And now we come to the, uh, the final part of each episode, the thing we do every week, which is pick a mm -hmm. character from the show that we just watched and talk about how we would use them as an NPC or a player character in our game, what we would bring from them, uh, yeah. which one we would choose. Uh, and Meek, it is a Monday that we're recording this. Uh, so ladies first. Yeah. Oh, is that the rule on Mondays? It's not, but I couldn't think of a segue and I wanted you to go first. Okay. I reckon we're going to choose the same person. I think we might too. Because... Uh... I'm doing some maths on the episodes left. Yeah. And also because I have the luxury of having watched them before. Oh my God. So, uh, all right. Hey, let's look. I think we've tried this once before and it didn't work. But yeah, it maybe didn't work, work last time. time. How about we do go three, two, one? I reckon this time it will. Okay, cool. Three. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, two one. Koala. Yes. We got it right that time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mostly because like we kind of had this, I feel like the reasoning why I've kind of covered because we kind of spoke about it during the episode, but yeah. I just love being those NPC, like playing those NPCs that test the characters, like knowledge of the actual game and how much they've been paying attention. Um, and just playing that interrogator. I love those NPC interactions, both as a player and as a DM. I like being on both sides of them. Um, yeah, as a DM giving the players shit and like testing their knowledge, but as an NPC trying to weasel my way out of stuff as well. Yeah, I uh, everything you said is is why I like Cola as well. Um, just all those little interactions that you get to have, um, but particularly in a particular role, I feel that they need to be that disciplinarian, somebody who has power over mm. the party for whatever reason, but focuses on misdemeanors. Like the things mm. like, oh, you burned down that orphanage. Yeah, that's fine. But you fucking got seen doing it. Well, mm. or you like you pushed over a guard and that guard's causing this whole problem. So what really happened? That kind of dealing mm. with all the little problems that the party isn't really thinking about. Mm. But um, focusing yeah, yeah, yeah. On, the, on the minor elements just to point out, look, this is a real, real live world. And you've got to think about some of your actions. 
Um, I generally have, yeah. I've got a, an Eberron game where the, the party is a, a cell for the secret service, um, for the intelligence community. And their boss is very much like that where it's just like, mm. yeah, you can go and save the world and that's, that's great, but you didn't fill out your reports and somebody took the ring of protection from, from the armory and somebody is going to need to bring it back. I don't know which one of you did it, but whoever <laughs> did is getting their pay docked. And they're like, we can fucking buy rings of protection. It's like, yes, but, but you didn't. And now I need this one back. Yeah. yeah I love that. I love that so much. That's so fun. It is really fun. I really enjoy that character. I've also given them a very heavy Brooklyn accent, um, and they're a bugbear. So that's um, is even... their name Dan Humphreys? No, oh, sorry, not Brooklyn. Uh, J- New Jersey, New Jersey accent. Oh. Yeah, I. Everyone from everyone from Brooklyn's coming after me now because I compared them to Jersey. Uh, it's fine though. It's fine. I can I can hide. I know where they live because I know we where live the in Australia. Is. We're a, we're a long time. We're a long way away. Don't tell them that part. So that is. <laughs> That is it for us this week. Uh, we managed under two hours, which is a new record for us. Uh, if, hey. you, if you would like to congratulate us, congratulate us, you can come over to uh, my the webcast, webcast podcast Twitter account uh, or the Instagram, both of which are DND and TVPOD. Uh, the, or you can send chuck an at gmail.com on the end of that and send us an email. Uh, Meek, where can people find you? Um. On the Instagram at blushing underscore bud. Uh, yep. That's it. That's all. Great <laughs> I'm such plug. a good salesperson. Yep. That's where I am. Yep. If, if I don't you, have anything to plug right now. If you do want to support us, there is a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash DNDNTVPOD, uh, which maybe if we get some patrons, we will have uh, some of these aforementioned, promised, much promised, much maligned by by some of us uh, episodes on <laughs> Hamilton, Moulin Rouge, uh, the live watch of Gossip Girl, uh, things like yes. that that we can we can do. Uh, so please, everyone knows they want a Broadway D and D crossover. Like I know that they're this is what the people want. So just make it happen, and I will. It'll be like a five hour podcast, you guys. Like I will. That's a documentary. I will, I've got this. I've got great. this. Great and uh the other way you can support us is leaving a review on apple podcasts or a rating which you can also do on spotify now uh if you didn't know that already that would really we really appreciate us uh really appreciate us really appreciate that because that would get us out to more listeners but the best way is to tell a friend uh, if you've got a friend who likes gossip girl and has no idea about D, don't worry we don't talk about D that much so you can easily <laughs> recommend it to them uh as well, a gossip re- girl sometimes. yeah that's true uh but until next time i'm probably left out a few things that we should be plugging but until next time stay safe be kind to yourselves and may all your hits be crits <laughs>